Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. Uh, Well, good morning. I believe Jesus wants to deal... uh, I honestly believe every Sunday that I come up here that Jesus wants to deal with things in us. Um, But I feel like today... Um, there's a struggle that we deal with um, that is related to today and to freedom. We live in the land of the free. And today we honor those that have died for that freedom. Today our subject is freedom. And I have a question for you that you'll hear over and over again today. And it may not make sense now, but I'll clarify it as we go. Are you free? I would argue that because we live in a great country with unlimited options, we believe that we are free. Free to do what we want, and for the most part, we are free to do what we want. But the freedom of options is not what I'm talking about today. Today we're going to look at real freedom that comes from just one place. Let the Word of God challenge you today to look deeply inside and answer this question. Are you free or are you a slave? Are you ready? Let's pray. Jesus, you are the only one that gives us access to freedom. So as we talk about freedom today, Lord, I pray that we would acknowledge you and you alone for that freedom. Not our good works, not our effort, not our our clean living, not all these other things that we would love to stack up to say, look how free we are, but our freedom would be tied to you and to you alone. So Lord, let us look deeply at the potential slavery that we're living in. To our own sin and to our own whims and to our own desires. And Lord, let us look to you to set us free. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we're going to be in John 8. Uh, my one thing that I want you to hear today is that if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Let me give you a little front end to John 8. We're going to be in verses uh, 31 through 38 in just a minute. Um, But context is always important. Leading up to this, Jesus has a conversation. If you read your Bibles and are confused by the little brackets that are in there, um, the first section of that wasn't in earlier manuscripts. Um, And, you know, don't be confused or be challenged by that. Uh, It's the woman caught in adultery story, which was literally the first message I ever preached, ever. Um, And what, how did that end? He said to all of those that wanted to murder her, they were coming to Jesus for an answer. What should we do? Notice there was no man. She was caught in adultery and he just slipped away. So they bring this woman in whatever rags or nothing 
expose her sin, and ask Jesus what to do with it. And this is important, leading into this slavery that he's going to deal with in just a second. So he bends down on the ground and starts to write things. And I've heard all kinds of great responses to what he was writing. My favorite is that he's down there writing the sins of those that want to cast those stones and kill her. And they're close enough to see it. I mean, could you imagine? (laughs) And he says these words to them, the one that has no sin be the first to cast stone. And of course, the older ones, which are wise enough to understand their own sin, they leave one by one. And they're left with just Jesus and this girl. And he has a conversation. He says, do they condemn you? And neither do I. There is hope in our slavery, regardless of how great it is. Then he goes into this conversation saying that I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. And he, he's telling these things for these people and there's so much tension in it. And at the end of the statement of him talking about saying that I'm the light of the world, there are those, just like we talked about last week, that believed. And he follows this verse 31 through 38 with people that have just chosen to follow Jesus, just chosen to believe that he is the light of the world. And I said this last week, and I don't know why this is the theme that's going on right now, but it is, and I'm not going to um, stop it. But Jesus isn't interested in establishing fake followers. He isn't. This is what you see. If you read the New Testament, he's not okay with you being partially in. He's not okay with you playing church. He's going to challenge that over and over again. So he just has people, like in our world, we'd be like, oh, we just, oh they, just got, they just got saved. Let's take it easy on them. No, he turns around and he gives them truth. And this first line of truth that we get in here is, I mean, really, where we're going to get in verse 31. So we're going to jump in. John 8, verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, clarity is important. He's going to make sure they know what they're getting into. And he says this, and really I could, re- I could read this statement in the end of 31, this last piece that I'm getting ready to leave. And, and if you got that, if you got it, if you understood it, if you followed it, I could be done preaching right now. Because this is what he's talking about. He said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is following Jesus, abiding in his word. And for those, you know, we don't walk around going, you abide with me. I abide with you. I mean, it's not language that we use. So let me clarify this. Like if you just go to Webster's, it says to accept without objection. Another one I found, it says to agree with and follow, which is abiding. You've got to know it to abide it, but then following it is 
Abiding. You, abiding is not information that you've gathered in your brain that you can regurgitate to other people. Abiding is having it in you, just like we talked about last week. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, unless it's in you, it does you no good. You can tattoo it on your body. You can memorize it. If you don't get it in you, and because it's in you, it changes something about you, it's not abiding. There is no freedom without abiding in the Word. There isn't. Because let me just tell you, and some of you are experiencing this right now. The enemy, the world, your own brain attacks you all day long. You're worthless. No one loves you. No one cares about you. You're never going to do anything. No one's ever going to love you. Fill in the blanks. There are things that are beating around in your head. And unless you have that abiding word that can deal with the lies that are coming, because he is going to speak the truth. And if we believe his truth, it is going to change the way we walk into everything that we do. It does. I mean, imagine it. I don't know if you have ever experienced this. There's been a few times in my life that people that I really admire have said something super encouraged to me that it just like, it set me ablaze for like weeks, months, where I'm just like, he believes in me. You know, and we do that with people. Imagine if we had the word of God so much abiding on us that when the lie comes, we go, no, I'm a beloved child of God. No, no. I'm a son or daughter. No, I am more than a conqueror. No, and you fill in those blanks. That is abiding. And I, I love, love the people that want to argue with Jesus. He's about to school them right here. He's about to call them sinners. And these are the Pharisees. These are the Sadducees. These are the religious leaders of the day that everyone else would say, perfect, sinless. Because they look at them and they've got everything, their tassels, their hair, everything is as it should be. They wash before their meal. They say the prayers that they should. They do all the things that they should do. And in verse 33, it says, they answered him. I don't believe this is the one who just believed. I think these are the ones that are still following. What you'll notice about Jesus all throughout the Gospels is he always has people around him. Some of them are there following him to see the show. Some of them are there to follow the Messiah. Some of them are there to catch him in something so they can eradicate him, get him gone. He says, they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never, I love this, love, this is the biggest lie you'll hear today. And we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free. So their argument, the people of Israel, and I'm going to give, a, I'm going to lay this down for you. They're saying we've never been enslaved. So how can we be enslaved? And so Jesus just, I love how he's like, he just sets them up. Like I'm going to, it's like coach pitch. Like I know you're going to hit this ball. I'm just going right there on that stand. You can't miss it. Even if you hit the bat, the place that the whatever the stick that's holding it up, I don't even know what that thing's called, it's still going to move. You feel like we're going to do it. And Jesus is constantly going, right there. And they're like, oh yeah. And Jesus is like, into my hands. See, they are taking for granted, and I'm going to translate this into our language. 
They are taking for granted Abraham's promise, believing their lineage was their guarantee, believing that who they were in relationship to Abraham guaranteed them a place, a position, a power, a prestige, a freedom, which we see Jesus later saying, I'll rise up out of these rocks, sons and daughters for Abraham. Don't, don't be there. this is comical because they were enslaved to Egypt for 400 years. Enslaved. It is like, it's not even like one of those, like not, you know, really read stories, even though they knew it all. I mean, this is where they get Passover. This is where they get the majority of what they think and believe out of this experience of freedom. But they were enslaved to have the freedom. They were enslaved to Babylon for 70 years. And, oh, shocker, they're enslaved right now to Rome. It feels like freedom because they can still have synagogue and they can still do the things, but they feel like, oh, but they're saying we've never been enslaved. And here's, here's the crazy part, because they were thinking seed meant them. And God to Abraham was saying seed, and he was meaning Jesus. Your seed, your lineage, would bless the whole world. What is that seed and that lineage? Now, it led to him, and there's people in there that honor and love Jesus. I mean, love God. But Jesus was the promise that we were getting to. Verse 34. Jesus answered them. I don't think you understand how hard this... Like we, most of us in the South, like we get that we're sinners for the most part. And if you don't, like we can have a conversation. But they didn't. They feel like they had gotten it together and they were good. And Jesus says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. This is the real slavery Jesus was talking about. This is the real freedom that he's talking about. Not that you would have options. Not that you live in a place that you can, in the, under the illusion, like they did in that day, that they were free enough to have their things. But they were still occupied by a ruling power, did not believe in the great I Am. Look at this in Romans six sixteen. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as an obedient slave, you are slave to the one whom you obey. Either sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. A couple verses later, in, in verse 22, in, still in chapter 6, it says, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. And then Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. There was no freedom from this slavery without Jesus. There was a hope. Before Jesus, there was hope that God would send the thing that would bring the freedom. There was this future hope, but 
Now, because we're past the crucifixion, there was but one hope that Jesus sent for that freedom. There is nothing that we can do. There is no, let me just tell you this, there is no self-help book that will free you. It may fix things about you. It may change behaviors. But has it freed you? And are you free indeed? Verse 35. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. If you're not freed by the work of Jesus on the cross, then you are not free. No matter how, no matter who you are related to, hear this. My three children are in the room right now. I'm not going to talk about you personally, but their salvation is not guaranteed by who they're related to. Your salvation was not guaranteed by what family you were born into. You may be predisposed, meaning it was around you and you have availability for it, but it is not yours until you claim it until you surrender to it where you have sat for the last 10 15 20 30 years on sunday morning does not grant you salvation how many times you have taken communion how much money you've put in that box none of that gives you any access to the father those are acts of obedience out of what he's done in you not earning your place position Verse 36, it says, so if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Think think of it this way. In the picture of where we're reading right now, the Jews were living in the house. They were connected to the Father. The slaves do not remain in the house forever. What did he say? How, How are you a slave? You are a slave to whatever you obey. And they're going to show their colors here in the next two verses. They're going to declare who they are by what they want to do to Jesus. Luke four eighteen says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This was Jesus' words, which he's quoting Isaiah. Because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Because there is no real freedom without Jesus. It doesn't happen. There are moments that we feel free, and I'm gonna, I've got a, hopefully a good illustration of this as we close. Verse 37. It says, I know that you are the offspring of Abraham. He's not denying it. He knows. Like, yeah, you're, you're from that line. Yet, you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. They're not abiding in them. I speak of what I've seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. And he goes on in the next section, which we're not getting into, and basically tells them that their father is the devil. The devil! These are the people of God. It'd be like someone coming in here and saying, Pastor Heath, your dad is the devil. Because their comparison is you act like your father. That's, that's what, here. And if you were of my father, 
you would desire and want and accept and love me. And you would listen and my words would abide in you. But because my father is not your father, you're listening to your father. Which is kill, murder, destroy. Satan came, kill, steal, and destroy. And, and what is their desire? Because he said, you're, you're a slave to whatever you obey. And their desire is to kill this man. Now, they had justifiable reasons in their mind because he was ruining what they had going on. And I would say that the desire, which Jesus clarified this, to murder someone is sin. If you have hate in your heart, you've already committed murder. So what does real freedom look like? It looks like trusting Jesus, obeying Jesus, and here's a critical one, enjoying Jesus. You've never read um, uh, any John Piper. He has a book called Desiring God, and the whole premise of the book is that we should love and desire God more than anything else. More than anything else. And the, the end of our love and affection to him should be enjoyment of him. If our struggle for obedience isn't leading to joy, and I don't mean joy in our suffering, like if things are going chaotic in your life and going, I enjoy Jesus. I'm talking about like at the end of it, I love Jesus. I love what he's doing seeing him. Real freedom looks like changing one master for another. And we don't have to, um, I don't have to sit here and expose your sin for you to acknowledge that there's some things that you're a slave to right now. We are. I mean, we can be children of God and we slip out of that abiding and when we slip out of that abiding, we start believing other things and we start listening to other things and we start walking into other things. I found this illustration, um, what freedom looks like. Freedom looks like jumping out of a plane with a working parachute. Just bear with me for a little bit. You don't have to jump out of a plane to be free. So it is exciting. I've uh, done it twice, attached to someone else, trusted them with my life, and trusted the parachute that was on their back with my life. Uh, but it was crazy. I mean, free-falling through air. I mean, the scariest part of skydiving is leaving the plane, in my opinion. Like, because once you're out there, it's, I mean, it's super loud because of the, the wind, but, you know, it's like, it's like you're not even really moving. I mean, you can feel the air, but, like, the ground is so far away, it doesn't, you can't get that perspective. Um, and it's just, it's crazy. It's beautiful. But freedom is like jumping out of a plane with a working parachute. And here's the comparison that I want to make, and I'm going to leave, leave you with this. And we're going to worship, uh, and we're going to ask God, um, we're going to invite God into areas of our life that we're slave. Because if you want to be free from something, Jesus is the only place that that freedom comes from. If you have two people, one that trusts, believes, abides in Jesus, jumping out of the same plane, until they pull that cord, they look the same. They have the same amount of freedom. The person on the other side with no parachute for that 45 
to 60 seconds has a great amount of freedom. And I feel like our country loves that freedom until it hits the ground. Where on our side, we live in this place of trusting Jesus, abiding in his word, so that when we, when we know we're getting close to that ground, we get to pull the chute. And I don't mean doing whatever the heck you want and then right before heaven you pull the chute and he gets you there. Not the illustration I'm going for. The illustration is, is that we're trusting him with this free fall, which I think we're all in this free fall together. Whether you love Jesus or you don't love Jesus, I think we're free falling because there's things that are going on in our life that are out of our control. But believers that are living, existing in this place of abiding, the word abiding in them is they're trusting this thing. During times of trials and times of pressure, we get to pull it and we get to feel. Like there's not a greater feeling if you've ever parachuted when that thing opens. Because you're like, this is great. I'm like, she better be pulling that thing soon. But you feel, and there's just this like, you know, I'm, you're still not really in control. I mean, at least I wasn't. She let me play with the strings, but I mean, like, was I really? She'd be like, stop. Um, but until that time, we don't get to experience that grace. But there is going to be moments in your life that you're going to get to test that pull cord. And if you've abided in Christ, if you've chose to love him, you're going to get to experience the greatest feeling that you ever is when you feel the comfort the uplifting of God the Father of you during these seasons while we're still coasting to the ground. It's still terrifying. Because I, I, I mean, there was, there was a couple times I thought I was going to, she did this like spin thing. I thought she was going to shoot me out of this harness. I thought, a, a, like, lady, just stop spinning. One, you're making me sick. Two, like, I mean, it, like, I could just feel myself like, because the little things were on my legs sliding, and I, could, I was just like, she's going to throw me out. I mean, so sometimes it feels like that, but it, there's still this, like, you still get to look up and go, God, you got me. And both times, and I may be press, pressing my luck, both times I landed on the ground safely, grateful to be alive. I think sometimes we need those experiences to see and experience Jesus. The scary part is, is these people existed in a time in a place that they believed they had that chute on. But the chute was sitting right in front of them, and they rejected it. And I don't know what the end of their life is, but at that point, if they were to met the Father, how pleased would He be that they rejected the Son, the one that He sent to die for them? I'm going to invite our worship team back up and I'm going to ask you the question again. <clears throat> Are you free? And this is something as believers you will deal with the rest of your life because freedom, and I'm not talking about salvation, freedom can be lost and gained over and over and over again. That's how our life is going to work. The more we abide and trust, we'll experience it. And there'll be seasons in our life. Every time I've doubted the control, the love that Jesus, 
the safety, the security that he wants, and I step into to Heath doing Heath's thing, it always backfires. backfires. And so this morning, as we worship together, just ask yourself, if you have to sit there the entire time and ask yourself over and over again, am I free? Am I free? I believe, and I'm going to pray this, that the Holy Spirit's going to touch areas in your life where you're trapped, that you're in prison, that you need to invite Jesus into and deal with it. And some of that, like Terry said earlier, may mean that you have to invite other people in to help you out of those areas. We were not meant to do this alone. And I challenge those to stop calling slavery freedom. Because if you really want to be free, we go back to the line that Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.